Section 3 of A Study of British Genius by Havelock Ellis. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Leon Harvey. Chapter 3 Social Class Status of Parents of British Men of Genius, Upper Class, Yeomen and Farmers, Clergy, Medicine, Law, Army, Navy, Miscellaneous Professions, Commercial Classes, Crafts, Artisans and Unskilled. The parentage of artists, the parentage of actors, how far change has taken place in the social composition of the genius producing class. Comparison of the genius producing classes with the ordinary population. In considering to what social classes the 1,030 eminent British men and women on our list belong, we naturally seek to ascertain the position of the fathers. In 201 cases, it has not been easy to pronounce definitely on this point, and I have therefore omitted these cases as doubtful. The remainder may be classed with a fair degree of certainty. I find they fall into the following groups. Upper class or good family, 154, 18.5%. men and farmers, 50, 6%. Church, 139, 16.7%. Law, 59, 7.1%. Army, 35, 4.2%. Navy and sea generally, 16, 1.9%. Medicine, 30, 3.6%. Miscellaneous professions, 65, 7.8%. Officials, clerks, etc., 27, 3.2%. Commercial, 156, 18.8%. Crafts, 77, 9.2%. Artisans and unskilled, 21, 2.5%. In some 30 cases, the status of the father is entered under two heads, but as a rule, it has seemed sufficient to state what may be presumed to be the father's chief occupation at the time when his eminent child was born. In the order in which I have placed the groups, they may be said to constitute a kind of hierarchy. I place the yeomen and farmers immediately after the upper-class group, although at one end this group includes the peasant farmer. Until recent years, the man who lived on the land, which had belonged to his family for many centuries, occupied a position not essentially different from that of the more noble families, with somewhat larger estates around him. Even at the present day, in remote parts of the country, it is not difficult to meet men who live on the land on farms which have belonged to their ancestors through several centuries. Such aristocrats of the soil, thus belonging to old families, frequently have all the characteristics of fine country gentlemen, and in former days the line of demarcation between them and the upper class must often have been difficult to draw. I have formed my upper class group in a somewhat exclusive spirit. I have not included in it the very large body of eminent men who are said to belong to old families. These I have mostly allowed to fall out as doubtful, but there is good reason to believe that a considerable proportion really belong to the class of small country gentlemen on the borderland between the aristocracy in the narrow sense and the yeoman and farmer class. To this class, therefore, must be attributed a very important part in the production of the men who have furnished the characteristics of British civilization. The same must be said of the clergy, who may place next, because they are largely drawn from the same racks and have the whole led very similar lives. With the clergy I have included, 32 ministers of religion belonging to various denominations. The religious movements of the past century have, altogether, transformed the lives of the clergy, but until recent years, the parson was usually simply a country gentleman or farmer somewhat better educated and more in touch with intellectual tastes and pursuits. The proportion of distinguished men and women contributed from among the families of the clergy can only be described as enormous. In mere number, the clergy can seldom have equaled the butchers or beggars in the parishes. 
yet only two butchers and four bakers are definitely ascertained to have produced eminent children as against 139 parsons even if we compare the church with the other professions with which it is most usually classed we find that the eminent children of the clergy considerably outnumber those of lawyers doctors and army officers put together this preponderance is the most remarkable when we remember that although i have certainly included eminent illegitimate children of priests it is only within the last three and a half centuries that the clergy have been free to compete in this field it is of interest to note that genius is not the only form of mental anomaly which is produced more frequently by the clergy than by any other social class the clerical profession as lagodon down pointed out in many years ago also produces more idiots than any other class law medicine the army and navy furnish contingents which though very much smaller than that of the church are sufficiently important to be grouped separately but all the remaining professions i have thrown into a single group these are artists painters sculptors engravers architects twenty actors etc sixteen musicians composers etc nine men of letters six schoolmasters seven engineers surveyors and accountants four men of science three although so few of the fathers eminent men can be described professionally as men of letters or men of science it must be added that in a considerable number of cases literary or scientific aptitudes were present in the parents we now reach a group of altogether different in character trade it is a group of great magnitude but its size is due to the inevitable inclusion of a very large number of avocations under a single heading these avocations range from banking to innkeeping the bankers evidently form the aristocracy of the trading class and a remarkable number considering the smallness of the class not less than twelve may have been the father's eminent sons under the rather vague heading of merchants we find twenty-five and there are at least nine manufacturers wine merchants brewers vinters publicans and other connected with the sale and production of alcoholic liquors have yielded as many as sixteen distinguished sons who have often attained a high degree of eminence from chaucer to Joel. tea and coffee are only responsible for one each there are eight drapers mercers and hosiers and six tailors and hatters grocers and a great number of other shopkeeping trades count at most three or four eminent men each it is perhaps noteworthy that at least four lord mayors of london have been the father's distinguished sons only one of them gresham attained fame business the others becoming men of letters and scholars it must be added in regard to this group that in a certain number of cases the particular trade or business of the father is not specified the group which i have denominated crafts is closely related to that of trade and in many cases it is difficult or impossible to decide whether an occupation should be entered under one or the other head but speaking generally there is a very clear distinction between the two groups for success in the essentially commercial avocations is involved above all financial inability the crafts are essentially manual and success here involves more in the qualities of the artist than of the tradesman just as the banker is the typical representative of commercial transactions so the carpenter stands at the head of the crafts there seems to be something peculiar in the life or aptitudes of the carpenter especially favourable to the production of intellectual children for this association has occurred as many as thirteen times while there are four builders no other craft approaches the carpenter in this respect there are five shoemakers five cloth workers five weavers all belonging to the early phase of industrial development before factories five goldsmiths and jewellers four blacksmiths while many other handicrafts are mentioned once or twice finally we reach the group of parents engaged in some unskilled work 
and therefore belonging to the lowest social class. It is the smallest of all the groups, and though including some notable persons, it can scarcely be said to be a pretty eminently distinguished group. As many as eight of the parents were common soldiers, the rest mostly agricultural labourers. It may be interesting to inquire whether our eminent men, when grouped according to the station and vocation of the fathers, show any marked group characters. Whether, in other words, the occupation of the father exercises an influence on the nature and direction of the intellectual aptitudes of the son, to some extent it does exercise such an influence. It is true that there are eminent men of very various kinds in all these groups, but there is yet a clearly visible tendency for certain kinds of ability to fall into certain groups. It is not surprising that there should be a tendency for the son to follow the profession of the father. Nor is it surprising that a great number of statesmen should be found in the upper-class group. Men of letters are yielded by every class, perhaps especially by the clergy, but Shakespeare, and it is probable Milton, belong to the families of yeomen. The sons of lawyers, one notes, even to a greater extent than the eminent men of upper-class birth, eventually find themselves in the House of Lords, and not always as lawyers. The two groups of army and medicine are numerically close together, but in other respects very unlike. The sons of army men form a very brilliant and versatile group, and include a large proportion of great sailors. The sons of doctors do not show a single eminent doctor, and if it were not for the presence of two men of the very first rank, Darwin and Landor, they would constitute a comparatively mediocre group. Painters and sculptors constitute a group which appears to be of very distinct interest from the point of view of occupational hereditary. In social origin, it may be noted, the group differs strikingly in constitution from the general body, in which the upper class is almost or quite predominant. Of 63 painters and sculptors of definitely known origin, only two can be placed in the aristocratic division. Of the remainder of seven of the sons of artists, 22 the sons of craftsmen, leaving only 32 for all other occupations, which are mainly of lower middle-class character, and in many cases trades that are very closely allied to crafts. Even, however, when we omit the trades, as well as the cases which the fathers were artists, we find a very notable predominance of craftsmen in the parentage of painters, to such an extent, indeed, that while craftsmen only constitute 9.2% among the fathers of our eminent persons, generally, they constitute nearly 35% among the fathers of the painters and sculptors. It is difficult to avoid the conclusion that there is a real connection between the father's aptitude for craftsmanship and the son's aptitude for art. To suppose that environment adequately accounts for this relationship is an inadmissible theory. The association between the crafts of builder, carpenter, tanner, jeweller, watchmaker, woodcarver, ropemaker, etc., and the painter's art is small at the best, and in most cases non-existent. Nor, on the other hand, is there any reason, whatever, to conclude that the fathers have acquired manual dexterity which their sons have inherited and put to finer use. Without reverting to the hypothesis of the inheritance of acquired characteristics, we may well suppose that among craftsmen there is a natural selection of individuals possessing special dexterity of hand, and this tendency to manual skill would tend to be inherited. Such a supposition would adequately account for the phenomena which made us in the present investigation, that there is physical selection in occupation we know to be the case, so that, as Bido has shown, butchers tend to be fair and shoemakers to be dire. It may be noted that Ariat, Psychologie de Pientier, 1892, Chapter 11, in investigating the hereditary of 200 eminent European painters, reached results that are closely similar to those I have reached in my smaller, purely British group. He found that very few were of upper-class social rank, 
and these not usually among the most important while nearly two-thirds of the whole number were found to be the sons either of painters or of workers in some art or craft he refers to the special frequency of jewellers among the fathers i may remark that in my list working jewellers and watchmakers occurred twice a small number but relatively large considering that there are only three fathers of this occupation in the total parentage of british men of ability the group of painters and sculptors differs widely as we have seen so far as the social and occupational status of their fathers is concerned from the general composition of the whole group of eminent persons the group of actors and actresses however reverses altogether the conclusions we reach from contemplating the entire group while good social class and leisurely cultivated life among the parents would seem on the whole to be of deciding advantage for the production of eminent offspring among actors and actresses low and obscure birth would seem to be a positive advantage at least three or four were illegitimate children while in numerous other cases we are led to infer that this was probably the case of the thirty whose origin is known four and probably more a very large proportion considering the smallness of the unskilled class can be set down as the children of unskilled labourers or common soldiers eleven are the children of actors while the rest mainly belong to miscellaneous often somewhat unskilled occupations only six can be assigned to the whole group of professions excluding the actor's profession and only one can be said to belong to the upper class booth being the son of an impoverished squire with aristocratic connections it is not difficult to account for this state of things the somewhat unbalanced and excessively impressionable nervous system which is apt to result from illegitimate birth or birth under abnormally bohemian conditions the poverty irregularity and manifold changes of occupation to which so many great actors and actresses have been subjected in early life usually among varied and often low social strata the absence of training and education and formal knowledge and conventional conduct combined with the abundant opportunity of becoming familiar with the most naturally dramatic section of the community all these and other characteristics which have tended to mark the early lives of great actors and actresses would tend to fit them for the histrionic profession and to unfit them for any other field in which natural ability may be shown there is some interest in considering separately the eminent persons in my list any one in number who died in the period during which the dictionary of natural biography was being produced and are therefore included in the supplement these may be expected to give us some indication as to the direction in which we may now look for our eminent men so far as can be judged however from so small a group the social composition remains exactly the same the aristocratic element is still very large the most notable difference is that commerce represented by eighteen individuals has gained on the church which is represented by only eleven the church has fallen to the proportion of less than fourteen per cent the general proportion of the church for the whole period being sixteen point seven per cent and commerce has risen to over twenty two per cent as against eighteen point eight wherever the relative ability producing powers of the clergy and the commercial classes have changed or whether as is possible the clergy now constitute a smaller and the commercial classes a larger element in the general population is a question i do not undertake to answer the quota produced by the medical profession has relatively risen and that produced by the legal profession fallen barely represented by one individual most significant is the fact that the crafts instead of producing over nine per cent have not produced one of this latest group of eminent men while unless the reticence of the national biographers is at fault the artesian and unskilled classes have been equally unproductive it would appear that the ability producing powers of the community are being narrowed on what is mainly a mixed aristocratic and commercial basis 
in order to realize the significance of our results it is necessary to bear in mind the class constitution of the ordinary population in great britain according to the anthropological committee of the british association this may be stated as follows professional classes 4.46 per cent commercial classes 10.36 per cent industrial classes 10.9 per cent artisans 26.82 per cent laborers 47.46 per cent the comparison with the class of ability producing persons is interesting we have two pyramids but the base of the one corresponds with the apex of the other the same inverted relationship existing harmoniously throughout the aristocratic class which forms the foundation of the ability producing pyramid though this fact is slightly disguised by the omission from my list of hereditary peers forms the fine and invisible apex of the pyramid constituted by the ordinary population the professional class which often in close association with the artistic class forms the great bulk of the one pyramid still merely appears as the apex of the other the commercial class also bulks more largely in the ability producing pyramid but to a much less extravagant extent the industrial class or craftsmen which comes in the middle furnishes about the same proportion in each case while the artisans and laborers who form nearly three-quarters of the general population appear among the ability producing persons as a vanishing point almost as negligible as the aristocratic classes among the general population this is not altogether an unexpected result though it has not before been shown to hold good for the entire field of the intellectual ability of a country maclean's statistical study of the origins of british men of ability during the nineteenth century shows that twenty six per cent of those of known origin were sons of aristocrats officials etc sixteen per cent were sons of clergymen fifteen per cent sons of farmers tradesmen artisans etc nine per cent of military and naval officers nine per cent of businessmen five per cent of medical men four per cent of lawyers etc the results was almost identical when the one hundred men of preeminent ability were considered separately c h cooley annals of american academy may eighteen ninety seven investigated the point in regard to a group of distinguished european poets philosophers and men of letters and found that forty five belonged to the upper and upper middle classes twenty six to the lower middle class and only two to the lower class odin in a laborious though not always very illuminative study of french genius genies des grands hommes volume two table thirty one found that six hundred twenty three talented people of letters so far as the position of their parents was known could be classed as nobility twenty five point five per cent magistrature thirty per cent liberal professions twenty three per cent middle class eleven point six per cent industrial class nine point eight per cent galton among one hundred and seven english men of science english men of science eighteen seventy four page twenty two found as might be anticipated that the aristocratic element was smaller only eight point four per cent by the allied professional class army navy civil service church medicine law etc accounted for as much as forty eight point five per cent while the commercial class furnished nearly all the rest forty point one per cent one is tempted to ask how far the industrial progress of the nineteenth century the growth of factories the development of urban life will alter the conditions affecting the production of eminent men it seems clear that taking english history as a whole the conditions of rural life have from the present point of view produced the best stocks the minor aristocracy and the clergy the gentlemen of england living on the soil in the open air in a life of independence at one laborious and leisurely have been able to give their children good opportunities for development while at the same time they have not been able to dispense them from the necessity of work thus at all events it has been 
in the past. How it will be in the future is a question which the data before us is in no way help to answer. So far as can be seen, the changing conditions of life have as yet made no change to the conditions required for producing genius. Life in the old towns formerly fertile in intellectual ability. Towns like Edinburgh, Norwich, Ipswich and Plymouth was altogether unlike life in our modern urban centres. And there is yet no sign that the latter will equal the former in genius producing power. Nor is there any sign that the education of the proletariat will lead to a new development of eminent men. The lowest class in Great Britain, so far as the data before show, has not exhibited any recent tendency to a high yield genius, and what production it is accounted for remains rural rather than urban. End of section three.